Welcome to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. It's your favorite host, Robert Hunt, where I look at the week's financial happenings that can be confusing, misleading, and take you off course, and I make it actionable, understandable, and clear. For this week, we've got a show for you. Woo, what a week. I'm going to look into this FTX fiasco, FTX being the crypto exchange that has all but failed as I record this and look into what happened as well as a trip down memory lane where we look at past financial failures and what we can learn from them. I'm also going to look at stocks that are up about 5% today. So I'm recording this on Thursday and stocks are up almost 5%. What is going on? Is this something that is actionable? Preview, trick question, nope, not really, but it's good to understand why things like this are happening and how we need to react to them. And then, as promised, that's right, your favorite part of the show, Robert's Corner, where I do, as promised, put in a purchase order for a six-month treasury note, and I tell you all about how it went, how I did, and what I see in the search for yield space. So you're not going to want to miss that at the end of the show at the top. FTX. Now, if you're not familiar with FTX, that's perfectly fine. Believe it or else, I was not familiar with FTX. I'm not in the crypto game. If you're in the crypto game, it's kind of like, I don't know, it'd be like if someone didn't know about Fidelity or Vanguard. For the crypto bro, they might say, you don't know who FTX is? So this is a really big company. And some really unfortunate things have occurred. So the article I'm looking at is Bloomberg News, November 9th. And it reads, The FTX fiasco has ensnared some of the biggest names in finance. So I'm going to read this. This is Tiger Global Management. Third point, Altimeter Capital Management. Our hedge funds that have invested in this, including not just these hedge funds, you have... Family Office of Paul Tudor Jones, Millennium Management, Tom Brady and Giselle, Brevin Howard. You then also have, this is, this is what I want to focus on here, Ontario Teachers Pension Plan invested in this exchange, Sequoia Capital, one of the most well-renowned investors, Lightspeed Ventures, Iconic Capital, Insight Partners, Thomas Bravo, Soft and SoftBank Group. So all these folks invested in this FTX. And what does FTX do? It's a place where you can buy and sell crypto. But there wasn't a ton of transparency on how this works. And as a very charismatic founder, 30-year-old, who at one point was thought to be worth close to $20 billion. So charismatic founder, this uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, he amassed a fortune, $20 billion, big personality in the crypto space. As of today, it appears as though no one who has invested in this fund will receive a single nickel from their investment. That's billions of dollars who are put at risk. And it is possible that folks who bought Bitcoin or any other coin on this platform, they may not receive a whole lot either. They're now going to be, if a bankruptcy is filed, one of the creditors, of which there could be many. And I, I saw on even Twitter this week that someone said, hey, if I own a Bitcoin on this exchange, is it actually my Bitcoin? Because they can't get it out. What are we to learn when something like this occurs? Number one, let us not gloat at this difficult time that 
hey, look, just because you weren't invested in it doesn't mean you couldn't have been. There are really smart investors that are caught up in this thing. And I want to read an excerpt of one of them and their thinking. This is the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. That name just sounds like this should be conservative. If they invited me to consult for them, what would I say? I think you know. Index fund, index fund, index fund, index fund, index fund. I'd make it a song to make it sticky. So the Ontario Teacher Pensions Plan bet on crypto exchange operator FTX trading. And they thought that it carried the lowest risk in the entire crypto asset class. This is what they said. Um, Canada's third largest pension fund. They oversee $185 billion. They invested in this FTX trading as part of a $420 million round in 2021, along with Tiger Global, Sequoia, Lightspeed Ventures. The CEO is quoted, in terms of the risk profile, it is probably the lowest risk profile you can have in that it's everybody else is trading on your platform, says the OTPP, Ontario Teachers Pension Plan CEO. This quote stands in stark contrast to what we know now, which is it's a zero. If they put in $100, $200 million, it's gone. The money's gone. Not a nickel to be returned. And this person who's CEO of the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan, along with Sequoia, along with all these folks, they will get a zero for their investment. And it is not because they're not intelligent people. And it is not because they haven't had success in the past. I, I look at this and I just say, they didn't understand the swimming pool they were swimming in. Didn't understand the risk. Even the CEO, I read the CEO who had a mea culpa this week and said, sorry, I messed up. He didn't understand the leverage in his own company. So anytime you invest in something like this, you've got to realize something really bad can happen. And I want to talk about, it's analogous to me because why did it fail? And we're not going to get into it completely, but there was essentially a run on the bank where people were pulling, pulling, pulling money. They had something like $8 billion pulled maybe in a day or a week, and it's normally about $10 million. So this, this FTX turns out they were, <clears throat> there was a lot of leverage in their system that they claim they weren't really sure was there. Well, this used to happen to banks all the time. I actually went back for you, the listener, because here at the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update, we keep you the listener, number one. I went back and looked at some uh, bank failures from the financial panic of 1819. Maybe a few of you listeners have heard of that. I kind of doubt it. To the Great Recession of 2008. But... Uh, the panic of 1819, what happened? Uh, people got wiped out. No FDIC. Um, there was a bunch of speculation in public lands. There was loose money. And what happened? A bunch of these banks got caught up in it. Depositors want their money back. Doesn't work. Big, big panic. Panic of 1837. Began a recession that lasted until the mid-40s. 343 out of 850 banks closed entirely. In addition, 62 banks partially failed. And when, I don't think we know, you know, as modern Americans, we don't really understand the implication. It means you showed up like these FTX people and said, hi, I'm here to get my money. And they said, nope, you have none. We have none. We're insolvent. There is no FDIC. There is no insurance program to bail you out. Up next, the Panic of 1873. Uh, all these have similar stories, but rampant speculation, this time in railroads, uh, contributed to excess inflation and high interest rates in 1873. We 
overexpanded after the U.S. Civil War. We had a major fire in Chicago and Boston that strained bank reserves. And in 1873, railroad bonds begin to not be marketable. And so some big failures occurred, and that took down a bunch of banks. Panic of 1907. We had two speculators. Again, you see the speculation, 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 all these things, speculation. Okay, you're seeing the pattern. Uh, Two speculators in 1907, F. Augustus Hines and Charles W. Morse. They suffered major losses. Americans began to withdraw their funds from banks that were associated with these two men. A few days later, these bank runs led the New York Clearinghouse to announce that Hines member banks, such as the Mercantile National Bank, had been deemed insolvent. He was forced to resign just because of some speculation. There was contagion. It spread to other banks. No bueno. You know this one, the Great Depression, start market crash of 1929. Started with Black Tuesday on October 29, 1929. Again, here we go. Wild speculation during the Roaring Twenties was a contributing factor. Unemployment was also there. There was a massive wave of bank failures. The first of those bank runs was experienced in Nashville, Tennessee, which triggered a wave of runs across the Southeast. The U.S. financial system saw more bank runs in 1931 and 1932. And when President Roosevelt instituted a banking holiday in 1933, all banks were to cease operation until they were determined solvent. So this was the beginning of the end of the bank runs. Um, 9,000 banks failed. This led to the creation of the FDIC. And there's some more. We've got the saving loans crisis of the 80s and 90s and the Great Recession of 08. But we've got the FDIC. So the FDIC made sure in the savings and loan crisis of the 80s and 90s that Americans didn't lose their deposits. In the Great Recession of 08, Americans didn't lose their deposits because there was regulation. And even for my fire-breathing libertarian listeners on the far right of right, in this instance, when you read financial history, you've got to be willing to admit having a referee like the FDIC, imperfect as they are, helps. So back to this FTX mistake as an investor. What can we learn from it? Do not play do not swim in swimming pools. You don't understand how deep it goes. Do not play games. You don't understand. It may sound smart to be invest, co-investing with Sequoia, Tiger Management. I mean, there are probably thousands and thousands of smart investors that co-invested. All will get a zero. And uh, It's better off investing in what you know and what you understand because at least you'll, you'll know the fail points. On this thing, the investor didn't know. And that led to these disastrous results. Let's talk about big market moves. So I'm just checking here. This is, we're still there. It's about 5% up on U.S. markets on November 10th. What in the world is going on? Hopped on a uh, CNBC article and it's all about inflation. So the surge occurs today, this morning. The quote here. It certainly shows how much the markets have been keyed about, worried about, and wants to run on CPI. That's that consumer price index about inflation if you get any sort of help here. It just brings up the idea of peak inflation, peak Fed. The Fed will slow and peak rather than continue to aggressively hike at 75 basis points at a time. What does that mean? This is John Briggs of NatWest. So part of the reason why investors have been selling stocks is uncertainty related to what the Federal Reserve will do. What are they doing? They're raising interest rates. What does that do? That, that means less and less money is going to want to be in speculative assets, and it's going to want to simply buy treasury bonds or be in the bank. 
It's sucking money out of the system to reduce inflation. So what, what's happened, according to this article, is, hey, if, this, if the inflation numbers are lower, that means the Fed won't have to raise as much rates, which means maybe these speculative assets won't go down as much, like stocks. Stocks can be speculative. So the stock market's up a bunch. And all because, in this person's mind, I, I feel it's probably right, there's a chance the Federal Reserve, if inflation really levels off, will not have to keep raising rates. Now, as a long-term investor, what does this mean to you? Not a ton. But I believe it's important to, when you see a move like this, one, realize, man, I'm sure glad I'm not a market timer day trader. I mean, you would have had to really, you know, was there any indication yesterday that this inflation number was coming in this way? No, there was not. Was there any tea leaf you could have read that would have said, oh, wow, get out of the market now and buy in you know, buying yesterday and sell tomorrow and nope, nope. It is a great thing to be a long-term investor who doesn't play these short-term market moves. And when you see the market move up four and a half, you should feel the same way as it moves down four and a half. You don't, I don't, but we should. People are selling and buying and seeking price equilibrium. That's all that's going on. But big macro idea, it's important to know why these things happen. That's what's happening. That's why there's such this big old surge in buyers as buyers are thinking, great, the Fed won't raise as much. That means there'll be more money for buy these risk on assets. That's what stocks are. We win. So that's what's going on with the stock market this week. And now for Robert's Corner. In the name of science and to the betterment of my listener, I got on my Vanguard brokerage platform and I purchased the minimum amount. U.S. Treasury note, six month note. So how'd I do? Well, this is how it goes. I clicked the button, clicked it this morning. It was much easier than the CD. So, so far, very easy. I just, you, you basically click a button, shows you the very best six month treasury note you can buy. Mine was 4.491%. I said, great. I clicked the button and nothing happened. But what it says is it will purchase it on November 14th for me. So I said, oh, Great. It'll purchase it November 14th. And I just wait until then. And so I wait. So that means that'll occur next Monday. And that may give me enough time to even try and sell it. To give you the listener an idea of how easy that could be. So as we search for appropriate short-term vehicles for cash based on your needs, yes, it appears that you could buy a six-month treasury note on the Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, whatever platform, and it could be fine. I think they're just, you know, it's just as easy to do a money market fund, maybe at 3%. It's also, you can you can buy one of these short-term treasury funds. There's Vanguard's got one that's one to three years in duration. I believe it's VGSH. There are also some shorter uh, duration treasury notes that are... Uh, Spider's got one, ticker B-I-L-S. It's a three to 12 month T-bill. And they're going to do all this for you. So none of this, you got to go in and buy. It's instant liquidity. It costs you a little bit, maybe 0.13% for the B-I-L-S and 0.04% for the VGSH. But I'd say just keep it simple. Be willing to, whatever program you use, keep it simple. Warren Buffett just buys treasury notes probably because he has so much money he has to put to work. He doesn't want to go through an intermediary, understandably, but we don't have to do that. So you can go through an intermediary. You can um, you can do the CD game, like I've been I mentioned, where you get a little haircut if you sell it. Or, but what I what I suspect is going to happen with these six months Treasury notes is 
I think there's going to be great liquidity. So I'm thinking there's not going to be as big a haircut, meaning it could be a good option long-term. We're going to see. I'm going to see how easy it is, see if anything confusing pops up. But remember, keep it simple. So you can always do online savings account, get 3% at Capital One 360. You can always do a money market fund, which is about that. You can always do one of these exchange-traded funds where there's instant liquidity, no buying needed, other than just clicking the button during trading hours with BGSH or BILS or many others. These aren't recommendations. This is just educational, of course. Talk with your financial advisor, hopefully Robert Financial. Or you can try this. If you need the money in six months and you really want to do this U.S. Treasury note deal, it, it, it kind of pays. 4.491, that ain't bad. Um, give it a shot. Listen next week, I'll tell you how it goes, or I could help you do it. So that is your update for this week, as always. Let's keep those costs low. Let's keep that investing simple. Let's keep, keep that time horizon long. That is what's going to serve you best on your investing journey. I look forward to having you listening next week.